welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. My next guest is a multidisciplinary artist and cultural worker of Jamaican heritage. Extended beyond monolithic perspectives, she is committed to uplifting stories of black identity as a means to explore international connections among the Pan-African and Caribbean diasporas. Please welcome Lena Huey. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. And this is definitely a vibe of like inside baseball a little bit is, you know, like background communications and networking. So, yeah, this is definitely a treat for me to have this come together. Absolutely. Such a joy. So for the fine folks who are undipped, uninitiated, give us those vital stats, your, your background. I, I fumbled through your background, but describe your background and, and really what currently inspires your work. Yeah, so my background, I'm from New York City. I was born and raised there. Um, and I am from Jamaica. So both of my parents are from there. I'm the first generation born in the U.S. But I did spend a lot of time there as a child. Um, and my childhood was surrounded by art. So um, I've always been, that's always been at the center so I'm a third generation artist. And um, my father was a graphic designer. My grandfather um, is known as the father of Jamaican painting. He is a painter. Um, my mother and I was raised by my mother and aunt who may, you know, put us through school by making jewelry. So that like they were, our home was surrounded by art, black art. <laughs> that was representative, um, reflective of our culture. So landscapes, you know, are celebrating our skin, our features and where we come from. Yeah, that's that's what we what we need. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think that's a thing that I'm glad that ultimately like Thomas kind of brought us together, what have you. And you were at the Repercussions show and that art talk where, again, I tried to act like I belonged in the room. And it, it's it's great to have that like celebration and acknowledgement of all like cultures, but more focused and more pointedly on like black culture. Like, yo, that looks like me in that picture right there. That painting. I, I know that we had those. And I think that's is really important to have that represented because even if we're having a conversation, you can sit down with a panel of black artists and like, yeah, let's talk about this. But it's still not enough. It's, you know, it's still moving in that direction, but it's still not enough. So being able to have this conversation is, is going to be great. Absolutely. For so sure. let's talk about your artistic style a little bit. Like describe your style for somebody who knows absolutely nothing about art and what artistic movements or artists have influenced you? So my style is what I like to call a bit of a remix because yeah. it's a little bit of everything. So um, I have a painting background, but, um, you know, I've expanded that over the years to include um, using multiple, you know, multiple mediums and multiple formats to express my work. And so my style is a combination of 
you know, my heritage. So it's definitely influenced, very colorful and influenced by the colors that you'll find in the Caribbean and Africa, which is of the diaspora where, you know, my family is very Afrocentric. So <laughs> everything in our home is, and, you know, over the years has always been very colorful patterns um, that are from Africa. Yeah. And um, and so there's that. I'm also the style is also I would say a reflection of New York. So it's very gritty. There's a lot of layers, um, and it's really kind of rough to the exterior. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of um, uh, yeah, just grit about it that um, that is a little bit of a mixture. So it's almost like a soup. <laughs> or like yeah. a rue of things that um, combines the cultures that I'm very much influenced by. So I spent a lot of time in the Caribbean, also in New Orleans and Detroit, and um, thinking about those cities that really influenced me um, and, you know, really, really like emulate so many of those connections across the, the globe. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, yeah, my work is definitely reflective of that jazz and reggae, hip hop, you know, all of those things really influence my work. And so you'll see all of that, um, those musical influences in there, as well as ancestral influences, spiritual um, references as well. I, I like that where it's the at least from my standpoint, uh, the the color comes in. It's like, oh, this is welcoming and inviting. Ha ha. And it's like, no, here's the realism around it, though. Like, yeah, you can see the color, but here's that realism, that grittiness you described. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, this this is what's here. And it's like it's it's going to have different objects that are in there, but people are attracted by this one thing. But that maybe the color or what have you or how the color is displayed. It's like, oh, that's that's something that's really catching my eye. And then when you get to that granularity of it, it's like, oh, 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 this Absolutely. is happening here. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I use a lot of different material in my work. So it ranges anywhere from, you know, like your traditional painting to a very non-traditional painting. So my style is like, yeah, like I can incorporate a lot of collage mm -hmm. into my works and mixed media found objects um, and also objects that are sacred to me and my family that I use in the work. So you'll see a lot of that in there. I use my family archive. So a lot of um, photographs and they kind of, many of the photographs have a vintage look and feel to them because they're from that time, a time in the past. And I tend to use those images a lot to weave to connect the past to the present and the future. Yeah. So my work is a lot about time travel and time, you know, just being this malleable, flexible thing that um, is translated through the images in many different ways. So sometimes there'll be these strips of fabric or sometimes it's, you know, this um, uh, sawdust, or soil mixed in with um, with the paint, yeah, and so it creates this very sculptural um, elements. So tell me, tell me about a piece of of your work that holds particular fond memories for you, and, and maybe why, or what's that connection there? Fond memories. Well, I guess I could speak about the more recent one, 
or um, the one that you know of, which is the water spirit piece that is that was at the UB Blake show. Um, that one, it brings back a lot of fond memories because it was the piece that I was working on when the pandemic first hit. And um, it was around the time when I first started really doing more installation-based work. And so I, um, and I consider my installations to be, um, to be like these shrine spaces or altar spaces. So um, installation might be the technical term, but it's really more of like a ritual space. And so, um, you know, I was really digging into a lot of that kind of work when I started that piece and had, um, was really thinking about how I was gathering all of these pieces and elements and, you know, like created these strips of fabric and um, they were from old mural, from murals that I had painted years ago with, you know, with students that I worked with that I loved. And so like there were all the remnants of that, those memories with them of like building scaffolding together and, you know, like making these amazing giant paintings together. And so they had those memories in them with also carrying um, the stories within those murals and then bringing it into this larger content, this larger conversation about black history. So making those connections between across generations. Um, and so like I would, cr I created this, um, it's almost like a canopy piece. And it was uh, when I was studying at MICA, I uh, started it there and then the pandemic hit. So it was a lot, the piece that I was working on as that happened and um, and so that completely sh grounded the context in a way that I wasn't expecting it to because of all of the things that were happening in terms of like the uprisings that were occurring at that time, um, as well as like all the um, uh, medical apartheid and medical apartheid is a subject that I've. I do tap into a lot in my work because I have a background also as, um, as a doula. So like I've done a lot of work around like reproductive, um, reproductive justice and like supporting families. And I'm also a mother. And so those things um, are really important to me and my family um, are like, we have a lar large history of, medical workers um, in my family, but also roots workers. So people who use um, roots medicine to heal. Um, and so like we have that awareness of that, with that awareness of medical apartheid is a huge factor of that piece. It also connects to the history of, um, of how, you know, uh, of, how Africans were enslaved and brought to and scattered across the globe. And so that piece is really uh, both um, honoring the, like those who were lost in that space and, and the, what they had to endure, but it also is celebrating um, the, the um, those who also like had faith, kept the faith and also celebrating our um, 
our deities and our like the people, our um, higher powers, higher creative powers that would guide us that um, that guided us at that time and still guide us today. Um, and so like honoring those deities, honoring those water deities um, that protected, you know, us then and as they do now. And so like honoring that, uh, understanding that the, it's both a site. So the Atlantic and the Caribbean seas are both sites of pleasure and violence. And so like that it's both, it's, you know, that those two experiences in one. And so that piece this with the cascading waterfall <laughs> kind of look to it is um, almost like a crying or weeping, but also like this movement of the water that um, represents um, safety. Although the power of water could also take you under. Yes. So it's both of those things. As an Aquarius, I definitely agree with it. And Hensley, <laughs> like, what? No, no, no. I, I, I think it's great in going there. And that that's definitely one of the, like, going there and kind of doing the, the, the talk and having that walkthrough and kind of experiencing the different pieces and yours absolutely um, was just like, like early in it. And that was just one that just naturally like, and, and this is no gas by the way, but just naturally kind of caught my attention. So having that additional layer directly from the, the creator, the artist here is like, okay, yeah, I got some extra special. <laughs> so when it, when, when someone's asking questions like, yeah, as the artist once said, uh, I got act like I know something. See, yeah. you're helping me create this fake background. Um, Oh, no. And I wanted to also add to that really quickly. Yeah, sure. That um, so at the base of the piece um, and it's, you know, I used very bright colors. I've added a, a lot of like kind of ribbons and string to um, emphasize that cascading mm -hmm. water. But at the base of it is are these window panes and the window panes are from a space that I did an installation in at Mount Royal Mansion. Mm -hmm. So I was with my class. We all did these um, historical based research projects. Um, and so I took, um, and installations. And so I took the window panes from that space because in um, my, in the section of my installation, I honored the enslaved children that lived in that mansion. When I did the research, I went to the Pratt Library. I did research on their lives, but didn't find anything about them other than the number of children that were there. And so each window pane represents one of the children that lived in that space that was unnamed. So it also connects them to all of the unnamed in, in the larger context of history the unnamed, the great blacks, <laughs> you know, that were unnamed and still to this day go unnamed. That continuation of like honoring, whether it be unnamed children, whether it be unnamed folks, whether it be just the deities that, that have helped us just acknowledging and speaking, speaking to in existence in a very like true way, as opposed to just, eh, moving on to something else. And yes. that's, that's absolutely important because, you know, we, I think it's black people. A lot of times we don't have 
we're not afforded the the opportunity to always talk about our our history, our beliefs and what matters to us. And it's a richer history than just starting at uh, colonialism and slavery and things of, of that sort. It goes deeper and there's family history that obviously does not get touched on at all. So I think it's important for us when we have that that opportunity, those those platforms to really put it out there if that's something that speaks to us. Absolutely. So it's clear to me, obviously, that your, your work is very close to you and, and like most creatives, right? And I think art has a checkered relationship with money and commercialization, um, especially with, with black artists. It's like this thing where we want your art, but not necessarily you in it. If we can just have like, you know, this speaks to somebody. Um, can you tell me about any opportunities that you've come across that you've just had to say like no to like this just doesn't rock? I can't rock with this. And what kind of went into that decision to say no? Yeah, I think that it's a skill that I've learned and still I'm still learning over time because, you know, it's like we have to survive. We have to live. We have to feed our families. Right. And so sometimes we like, regardless of whether we're artists or not, we'll have to make these negotiations that, you know, are not always what we want to do in order to put food on the table. And so I think that it's like a lot of what I've learned over time is that saying no to things that are not in alignment will actually bring you closer to what is, what is in alignment. And so I, I just recall learning the hard way <laughs> doing things that I didn't want to do mm-hmm. and end up dragging it out. And it really just was not helpful. Um, and so I think like there were certain projects that I ended up, you know, like that were that once I realized that there were no boundaries around it, that I had to be able to, I had to be the one to create those things. And while I'm a very, like, gen- I'm very generous and giving and of my time and I love creating, I love working with others and collaborating. And so sometimes it can be difficult to, um, to want to participate in things. I mean, to, to participate in things without knowing where your limitation is. Yeah or without being able to speak to that limitation, honestly, to those that you're working with. And so that's something that I've learned and over time. And um, like, there are so many instances where I can remember, you know, having to say, eventually say no, because I just knew that it just wasn't in alignment. And I think sometimes it's something that you actually do want to do. Yeah. It's not about not wanting to do it. It's just knowing that you might be at capacity right now. Like Mm -hmm. you might, your focus might be, you know, on a whole other thing. And so really it's important to just be able to like know your patterns, learn your patterns and understand that they change and shift over time. Yeah. But Uh, um, sometimes you just got to say no. (laughs) That's that's the thing that uh, I had to come to the realization of, and especially even when it comes to, this this element of of community like you know i want to like i'm operating of like two different sides of my mind right like i'll operate in this creative kind of don't say no to things and kind of operate and ride that wave and then i'll operate with the that kind of business strategic side of things and how do these two things really work together 
but sometimes they bump up against each other. So for instance, I wouldn't want to bring someone on here from, from a strategic standpoint. It might make sense of, hey, they got followers. You know, this is probably an interesting person to talk to and it'll put you in this space. But it's like, yeah, I can't really jam with this person. And I try to have these conversations as if like, one, I got to be interested in what you're doing. Like, I got to have at least some cursory um, interest to make me even want to, like, delve into and learn more about to come up with questions and, you know, really dive into that. And, you know, if you're not really feeling it and I had this recently and I try to be very mindful of this is my creative expression. And, you know, going through it, some people don't consider this to be at the same level as theirs. So it's just like they'll half ass it. They won't really put in that effort. And. You have to recognize that sometimes like, where is this going? Is this person excited? Is this person interested? What are, what are we doing here? Because you pick up an energy, you pick up a rhythm. It's like, Absolutely, oh, you yes. don't care about this. So it's like, I can't even try to joke with you. Like I, it's some interviews I'll go back through and listen. It's like, did I try to joke with the person? Because if I didn't, I wasn't jamming with them. And, yeah, and that's yeah. the vibe. That's the vibe. And people will ask all the time, like, oh, like, do you know these people before you interview them? I was like, barely. And it's like, how do you get these good interviews? It's like, uh, and, but I guess it's coming from like, hey, I'm <laughs> interested. Energy. Yeah. So, There's yeah, a mutual yeah. interest. There are shared values mm -hmm. that are in alignment. I think it's fine to like to have difference, you know, to have a variety and diverse, you know, beliefs. I think that that's fine, but as long as there's this mutual respect and understanding, yes. that's really, really vital. Yeah. And like you said, the energy, like if the energy feels off, it's off. Like you can't, yeah, it's like, oh, nothing's going to really me. fix it. <laughs> I, I mean, I had that, I had that thing last week and it's just like the, the, the person got on and they knew how to do my show. They told me everything of how they, how I should do my show. And I was like, okay. And I'm just letting them go. We talked for 40 minutes and I was like, yeah, I really know who you are now. It's like, I think I'm all set. So, and the person I learned hadn't listened to an episode yet. So they under, and I'll just put it this way. They didn't look like you or I. So that was one dynamic there. And when I was just like, nah, I still think it just really fits what I'm looking for right now. Then a person was like, I realized I was a jerk and I kind of stepped all over you. And it's this long message about it. And, and I'm like, cool, you know, maybe this is just doesn't fit right now. I'll, you know, I'm a fighter. I, I'm naturally, I'm a fighter. I'll figure out something and get, I'll, I'll get gold out of, out in the yeah. Future. But it's kind of one of those things of like, this doesn't fit right now. And knowing how to say no and know how to be gracious and tactful when you're, you're saying no, because the commonality now, the way that people move now is, I'd rather ghost you and disappear. And that's, that's not how you, you wear adults. Uh, why do I never understood that? I never understood the ghosting thing. It's, it's weird, especially from a creative standpoint. And I've, I've had those things here and it's like, Hey, we should connect and collab on something. Cause they'll see a guest or somebody that they're like, wow, how'd you get that person? And then it's just like when it, when it, it's time to really work together and do something ghost. I, I, you know, just boo Casper. I don't know. Uh, so at times, <laughs> at times, creators have been ha, have a vision or an aspiration, um, and the finished product may be better or I won't say worse, maybe better or different than what they expected. Can you see your product, your your finished your your work as finished um, as you're working on it? Like before you finish it, you can see what it would look like, and speak on that a little bit. 
So my work is very much improvised. So improvisation is a huge part of how I express myself. And so even if I, so yeah, a large part of it is gathering. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different stages to my work and there's research, there's image gathering, material gathering, all these different stages. And, um, and I really like, I've learned about the, like I've learned over time, just I've learned my patterns over time because I didn't always understand them. Mm -hmm. And I realized, Oh, I've always done this. You know, this is, this is just something that I've always done. So once I was able to um, begin to understand that, that like free flow is so central to my work, then I stopped, stopped having as much um, painful anxiety around why, you know, why I couldn't be, um, linear about these things. And so, yeah, there's a lot that just moves and flows. There's a lot, um, that it just happens with, with spirit. Yeah. So it's like really an organic process. And, um, and so, yeah, like my, I, I always have a vision, but it's not, it, I know that the work itself is going to look different than, than that vision, but still somehow it seems to manifest to be a reflection of that vision still. Totally. And, um, and so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, like it definitely, definitely. I see the color, I see, you know, the image, some of the imagery, but sometimes, so my work happens in many iterations as well. So it might look this one way now, but, <laughs> but in another version, you know, I could be using a projector. I could be using lighting in a, in a different way. Um, you know, like there might be a sound element. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, like it has a lot of variety, but there's these multiple reflections of the same, multiple interpretations of the same imagery mm -hmm. and those interpretations are always improvised yeah so it's just no no it, when you when you mentioned the, the the that connection to music and as soon as you said improvise i immediately started thinking about jazz which you, you touched on with the new orleans connection and all and again very very black very ours and even to a degree, well, big degree with like hip hop or what have you, you know, with, with freestyling or like live mixes and DJing and all of that stuff. It's like a lot of improvisation that goes on there. And, and maybe they're like, like I record this when I'm not doing it via zoom, um, at a, a comedy club and they focus on improvisation there. And it's just like, that's, that's the thing. Like the, like this podcast, I have the questions as a guide, right? But there's a fair amount of improvisation that goes on in this one. And yeah. there's a lot that goes on into the other podcasts that I do. So I definitely, you said, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure. Remix and yeah. improvisation. Yeah, spin it. 
And um, it's intuitive. It's intuitive. I just go based on what spirit tells me, what calls me, something that draws me. Sometimes I'm walking past something and then I just see a pile of like broken, like broken yeah. objects that are speaking to me in some way. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to use that in the next piece. So I just pick them up. You know, like sometimes it's just walking down, walking in the park and I use a lot of plant matter as mm -hmm. well. So I'll just find, you know, find some plants to work with for the day. And it's just becomes its own adventure. And I love that. Like, I just love that element of adventure in the yeah. work. And, um, and the work typically takes a long time to make. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm, I think because of my background in murals, like I did that for a living for a long time. Um, I think that, you know, like I'm, I know how to like make, how to fabricate work quickly and large scale and can just kind of shoot things out very quickly. But in my personal work, it mm -hmm. takes time. Like I spent, I'll spend years on one body of work. And that's really like, to, to be honest, they don't really end. Like my, each body of work is just kind of like a beginning. And then it's like this very long journey within each one, but it's almost like a library where you have like this kind of endless knowledge within each, within each subject. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I always look at some of these things like depending on the work, it's a living, breathing thing. And yes, it, it's just like, oh, yeah, finish that was like, no, no, no. I got to keep putting it out there. I got to have another conversation with this person. Where are you at in a year? What, what are you doing? What are you, what's, what's happening here? And I think when you get to a spot, at least I, I try to without being egoic, I try to empathize in a way of this is my thing and like kind of maybe how it relates to somebody else's projects or someone else's work. And um, yeah, that living, breathing component is big. Cause when I think I, I when you were describing, I immediately thought of, I want to just take a finished puzzle sometimes and just throw it up in the air just to solve it as a problem and just like figure it out. I think I like to get my hands into things that way. Yes. So it might be, hmm, what's going on with the audio here? Or wow, I haven't come up with questions yet. Let me hurry up and research this person and come up with something that fits a standard and knowing your patterns and getting an idea of like, do I even want to ask these questions? Should I postpone this? Is this going to be good? Is this a waste of time? Is this stupid? <laughs> and, you know, really kind of think of those things in always like editing. So like, you know, I was telling you before we got started, I put these rapid fire questions in there because I'm always going back through. It's like, I might write the questions or do that research. It's like, no, I need to get redipped. I'm doing this interview right now. And maybe this question doesn't work as well. Or maybe I am in a, in a more of an introspective mood, or maybe I'm on a, you know, tell me more about your process kind of mood. And it, it, it's, it's just a living, breathing thing. So when you're just stuck to this rigid setup, it doesn't work all the time. And you can't really have that exchange and that flow with people. Right. Absolutely. I so, definitely agree with that for sure. So this is the last question I have before we get to rapid fire ones. And this one is very self-serving, but I wanted to at least uh, put it out there. Um, do you network with other artists and within that network? How do you rely? How do you rely on those other artists? How do you support each other? Speak on that a bit. I love artists. 
I love artists. I love artist stories. I love learning about what artists do. And I love the variety of artists that I meet. Anything from musicians, poets, uh, painters, sculptors, curators, you know, like gardeners, farmers. Like I love people. I podcasters. love people. <laughs> and uh, podcasters. Yes. I love people, <laughs> writers, you know, and I've always really connected with people from a variety, like a wide range um, within the arts, but also with organizers. So like people who are, you know, passionate about, um, about justice. And so like a lot of that is artists, but it's not only artists. And so I find art, like I find like what people might think of ordinary people. Like I see art in that and I see art in them. And so like, I'm really just, I'm really interested in people's stories in general and learn so much from that. I find it very nourishing. And I find um, that I've always been a person who believes in like community. And so I think that um, I look at networking, not as networking necessarily, but as connecting yeah. and as cultivating. So almost like a garden, like you're cultivating this garden and, you know, you have all of these seasons that you have the four seasons and you're right now, like you're going to plant your seeds. And then, you know, in the next season, they'll, they'll come up or they won't. Some of them will, some of them won't. Then you harvest. And then like, you gotta go through the process it. all over again. And so I really look at um, connections and relationships, like these lifelong gardens, like that you're constantly giving, feeding, you're nourishing throughout your life. And so the people that I've been able to connect with over time I've grown with, I've grown with these artists. We grow together. Like my past classmates, past students that I've worked with on murals, past community members who came through for community paint days. You know, I used to work with elder artists to, and, and interviewed them about like their lives and their experiences. And so like they would be going through decades and decades and decades of artwork that they hadn't seen in forever. And it would bring up these memories Memories about how they used to organize with their artist friends back in the day. And that reminded me of my artist friends now. And it's like, wow, I'm going to be, this is me in the future, <laughs> you know, like looking back and remembering all of this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to like really treasure, really, I really treasure my friendships and relationships with people. And I find it so odd that that's not like a normal thing. <laughs> Right. Um, I, I tried it. It took me a long time to realize that like, oh, actually people don't, this is not like a typical way of thinking. I think it's because of my back, like my um, family background, like yeah. they, they are ministers and they, you know, they're activists and 
abolitionists and artists. And so they always want to be with people, 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 you know, like always around. And so like, that's how I, that's, I love deeply. I love deeply. I love to connect deeply and I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your stories. I want to celebrate you. And so it, it was a very harsh reality for me when I like went into the world and realized like, this is not what people want, like, or this is not how people think. And, and so like, even to this day, it's so rare to really like make those really deep connections with people. And that's the most important thing to me to build in those ways. That's, Judgment that's- is not a part of that game. Although, yeah, you have to have discernment because like we talked about when things are in alignment or when values are not like in the same area, then it's fine to walk away from things. But I really believe in building with people. Like I really strongly believe in that. And that's how our work grows. That's how we grow, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like that the, where we met at the, um, the, the last resort or have you, it, it was one of those things where, I was like, yo, I remember talking to Thomas. I was like, do I fit here? I was like, these are real people. I'm uh, I'm someone else, you know, and then kind of being there and then getting the vibe. I was like, oh, wow, this is what this looks like. This is an attempt to bring together and fill in some of those gaps with people who are like minded and that that community. And that's the key thing I got of. And I'm glad that we were able to connect there because that was uh, I, I literally floated out of there when I, I left because I I'm really not in those environments as as much and it's all new to me. So being having the privilege of being invited and, and coming and connecting with the folks that I did on that conversational and, and, and literally you're breaking bread with folks. It's like, oh, OK, yeah, yes. this is great. I'm in the room. It's um, needed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to wrap here on those real questions. Now I'm going to get to some rapid fire questions. Um, and just for, for, for context, rapid fire, and I've, I've been updating while we've been talking, but rapid fire questions are essentially, you just have to give the answer. Unless you want to provide extra context, you can, but you really got to, you really, if you really want to. Um, and with these, uh, it's just like a peek inside who you are or what have you. All right. So the first question is music podcast or silence in a studio when you're working? Ooh, that is tough. <laughs> I know. I know. Honestly, I want to say it's a combination of all three, but for the most part, I do listen to a lot of music while I'm working. Okay. But I will say that, yeah, I do a little bit of both too. So you fell into the second of part. Of, you, you fell into the second part of this question because I knew it was going to be music. <laughs> favorite remix since you since you described your work as a bit of a remix in some ways. What is your your favorite remix? Because uh, you know it's rumored that you know some people in New York may have invented the remix. So I want to get your take on what's your favorite favorite remix out here. Favorite remix. Wow, Ugh, there's so many. I honestly love. Um, God, I don't even. Know. Oh no! No, um, so I'm thinking of it right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so you know uh, RZA's uh, mixtape. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they like this mixtape with like these oldies. Like, I it's not really remix, but like I really just love mixtapes. Yeah, and um. That one, really, I really vibe with. 
Okay. It's like this Shaolin sample soul remix. I'm here for it. Like that one. (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Yeah. I really love the diving bell and the butterfly. It's random, but I I'm love not that familiar movie. with that one. Now you're just giving me something. You're giving me more homework to do. <laughs> um, favorite material to work with. Favorite material. That's tough. I love working with everything. Like I would say, um, fabric. Like. Mm. Fabric as canvas, almost. Uh, again, I think I'm hitting you with all of the hard ones. I feel like I just left the hard ones here. Um, but this is the last one I have for you, actually. Um, name an underappreciated area in Baltimore. Like, just something to kind of, like, shout out. Like, yo, y'all should really check this place out. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, what's an unappreciated area in Baltimore from your perspective? Hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to say young black women artists mm. okay i think that's what i want to focus on okay oh yeah or yeah artists mainly women because i feel like there's like a lot of focus on the male artists but not as much celebration of young black women artists and i would like to see that more in connection with some of the community organizing that happens here which is very strong but I would like to see more overlap with that. At least the overlap that I always see and experience, I would like that to be celebrated wider, you know, than it is. Well, you're off the hot seat now. So um, I want to invite you to um, telephone folks where to check you out, your social media website. And again, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Thank you. I had a great time. (laughs) This has been great. So uh, where's your social media website? All of that good stuff. Telephone, oh, folks. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> yes, I'm at Lena Huey. It's L-E-H-N-A-H-U-I-E on Instagram. And my website is just my name, LenaHuey.com. And yeah, you can always reach out to me. Find me there. I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Um, I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. And um, for Lena Huey, artist Lena Huey, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.